Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast where war never changes. I'm Void and I'm here with my co-host Beige. Oh, I'm so sad now. <laughs> I didn't mean to bring you down. It's just oh. Fallout. Today we're talking oh. about <laughs> Fallout 76 and multiplayer in general and kind of where we're at with multiplayer this particular year in this particular season with all the games coming out. That's kind of a good way to summarize, right? Yeah, that's one way to say it. Okay. Um, Those so are words. I wanted to talk about the Fallout 76 beta because I played a bunch of it, a bunch being probably like 10 hours, maybe somewhere. Oh, in wow. There. You got more of it than I thought you did. Yeah, no, I got a really good sample of it, which is why I wanted to talk about it before it comes out, basically. Okay. And, you know, my first experience with it was to log in, make a character, spend like an hour making that character, get connected from the disconnected from the server and then lose all the character data. So about par for Bethesda games, you know? Yeah. Not a great sense. start. Um. But after that, it was fine. Like, I didn't have any other game-breaking bugs or any other crashes or anything like that. Like, the game feels like it's done. I mean, I know they wanted to beta test it, but it feels like it could go live tomorrow. Um, Because the whole rest of the time that I played, after that very first experience, like the first five minutes, or, well, first hour and then five minutes of gameplay, um, (laughs) the, the rest of it has been really, really good. So it feels oddly lonely as a game i've heard that that a lot of the people that i've seen is uh, you're not the only one who said that it's like there. so are there no npcs around in the top side around top side or are there just few of them no like so there are no human npcs in the entire game so what they wanted okay. to do was that every human that you see is another actual player and that's what they did so because <laughs> It's weird how dramatically that changes a Fallout game, basically, because all of the imagine. story, right, like all of the story that you would get from interacting with other human NPCs, um, it moves to terminals and audio logs and robots. And it just, they're trying hmm. to do a lot with terminals and audio logs. And like, even after the first hour with the game, I was already missing human npcs and i like audio logs i know you and i were test uh texting about this where like games like bioshock audio logs and bioshock and was it doom 3 that really introduced that concept those are great i love when they're done well but it sounds like this one may not have but i didn't like how prey did it prey was a game that i didn't like the uh, audio log system so is this one not done well or is there a particular reason that you missed the npcs Or didn't like the audio logs. Okay, so there's two things. One is, like, I'm just not as big of a fan of audio logs as you, so that's playing a part in it, so take everything I say with that in mind. The other side of it is that it feels really weird that they're trying to do so much with audio logs and they want you to play with other players at the same time because you are supposed to be interacting with your, like, your squad or team or I actually don't remember what it's called, but your group, right? Okay. So I have an open mic talking with my brother and we're talking about the game, and then an audio log starts playing, and I'm trying to have a conversation. Oh, like, yeah, that would be hard. Yeah, so that's one of the reasons that I really am not liking it. Also, it's w- really weird that like they have so much of the storytelling in text in these like what? it's the same way that you would run into in a fallout game right you come across a terminal you hack the terminal or the terminal is just open and there's like a bunch of storytelling stuff in there but there's paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs of backstory or characters keeping logs or i mean you've played fallout games you know what's in the terminals right, right? yeah yeah okay that's there in this game but it's the exact same issue because i have an open mic party that i'm trying to play with 
a friend or my brother or whatever. I don't have time to sit there and read through a novel on a terminal in a Fallout game when my party is ready to do the next thing, you know? Mm. So there's this inherent clash there between, like, there's no NPCs to interact with, so you can't really, like, get around an NPC as a group and experience a story together. So instead, they've moved it to audio logs and to terminals and to text and letters and just reading, right? All these different ways that they do it in a Bethesda game through reading, through text. But you don't want to be reading text and be like, oh, no, 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 be quiet to your group that you're playing (laughs) with so that you can read a bunch of text or listen to an audio log. So there's this weird push-pull there that I don't think they've landed it in the right place. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of my overall impression of the story right now. Also, it's strange, going back to the loneliness, because there's a lot of, like, dead NPCs in the game. There's a lot of, like, I guess, for lack of a better term, fresh corpses of people who have died recently. I mean, they have the typical fallout of, like, oh, there's an old skeleton, and there's, like, you know, zombie analogs and all that. But there are also people that are, like, you know, they have a log, and it's from today, and they just died right before you got there. But that happens over and over and over again because they can't have live human NPCs in the game. And the main story has you following the overseer, and it always feels like you're one step behind her and she's leaving these audio log behind. But you never interact with her because there's no human NPC. Like, I don't know why that was the decision, but it was. And I think that it was not a great decision for this game. I can, I can see why they would make that decision. I can. With you going out into the world, with this being really the first foray out into the, uh, the Fallout world, outside of the bunkers, outside of the vaults, I get not having human NPCs. But when they do that, where it feels like the main villain is always one step ahead of you for no reason other than not to have human NPCs, that feels like an artificially placed barrier that detracts from the storytelling as opposed to adding to it. Yep. Nope. That's what we're running into. And then the other thing is like, think about how much wow learned very quickly that they can't have super long, like quest text, right? Yeah. You remember it used to be longer and now it's like, a paragraph if even if they want to tell you really in-depth story they take you to like a cut scene or they have you interacting with like a, a an actual life not live scene but you know like the yeah. npcs are doing stuff in the world and you can watch and interact dynamic um, dynamic yeah kind of like in engine type of thing that's happening yeah. and fallout has not learned any of those lessons because they've never made a multiplayer game like this before so it's like the worst part of quest text but multiplied by 10 or 50 or 100 because of how much text and audio logs there are in the game i'm hesitant on that like for the same reason you are because i've run into that with star wars the old republic but because it's so story-based because there there's voice acting and everything with it whenever you do any quest it uh, except i've not run into it with people on the internet wanting to do things i've run into it with my wife like she'll be talking <laughs> to me all of a sudden i'll do something and it goes into a cutscene, and i'm like hold on or i'm gonna completely miss everything here or she comes in and, and says something i'm like i can't pause this i've been listening to this for five minutes and it's this big long cutscene, and that kind of thing is annoying in an online game that uh, whenever you're dealing with people and it's just like 
with these people, are they in the same area as you, or or is the party that you're in, like when you said you were playing with your brother, are your characters side by side, or do you, like, are you guys on radio, basically on the radio with each other in different parts of the game? Well, we... I don't actually know because we immediately turned off the in-game chat and moved over to Discord because we don't want to deal with that. Uh, <laughs> like, okay. Um, I think the default is that you're always broadcasting to everyone in your party, but you're also broadcasting to the immediate area because we heard a lot of other people talking and we just didn't want to participate in that, basically. Can you see them as well? Yeah, yeah. So whatever server you're on, you always see everybody in the server and you can okay. see them as dots on the map all over the map of the entire game basically so you can see all the people in it and they said that they're aiming for like a couple dozen per server which kind of held out from what i saw you know every time i looked there was probably 20 ish so yeah you know maybe two dozen um i thought when they first announced it they said that you would go days without seeing another person in there did they go did they move away from that idea well so the people who want to do pvp will just find you because you're a dot on the map that everyone can see all the time but then the other side of it is like everybody's doing the same main quest so we constantly were running into people like i i I did not have the experience of and maybe honestly this is maybe just an early game thing because everybody's still right near the beginning of the story and like if you're following those rails you run into people more often it might get better as you hit servers that have um bigger like level range you know but right now everybody's still right at the beginning so i don't want to weigh in too much on that um all of that is like those are my gripes right the other side of this that i did want to highlight is that it's good enough like i don't have a rave review (laughs) i can't come out here and say it's amazing i'm so glad but it feels like a fallout 4 multiplayer expansion and i'm not saying that in a bad way it's just what it feels like and honestly like watching some of the documentaries and stuff about it that's kind of what it is. Like, that's what it grew out of, the Fallout 4 engine. And it feels good enough. It feels like I get to play Fallout with my friends and my brother, right? That's, like, the core of what I wanted out of it, and it's providing that. It feels like it's a really good base for them to build on, and they can learn a lot of lessons quickly because they launched this as, like, a games as a service, right? They said they're going to support this for a long time after launch. And... I think that if they do that, this could be something that's like amazing in a year or two. Right now, it's good enough. There's just, there's no wow factor. Like, I'll still play it. When this game comes out, I'm going to be playing it. I want to follow some of that main story. I want to play with my brother again. I want to play with other friends online and just kind of explore Fallout with friends. If that's what you want, the game is providing that. Like, I I don't want to take away from that piece of it. But there's nothing wowing me. There's no wow factor Except for you get to play Fallout with friends. So and 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 I'm not up on Fallout that that much. I haven't played four, and so is this more of a Fallout three to New Vegas kind of jump? That no, uh, this is like a Fallout four to Fallout four multiplayer jump. Like it is, it feels like an expansion pack to Fallout four. Honestly, wow. Okay, yeah, that, and and that's weird for me. Like I'm 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 both excited about this game and really hesitant about it as well because this I don't necessarily want other people playing a single player RPG with me, and I'm worried that with this game that it'll move somewhere like Destiny where you have a are forced to have a group of people with you to get through certain content and that is the last thing I want with something that comes from a series of single player games like with Star Wars The Old Republic a lot of people had that issue and so they changed it where you can solo all of the dungeons that it doesn't matter what 
class you are, they put out healing boxes that you can click on while you're going through so that healers can tank or DPS can go through or whatever it is that you don't have to have a team to do it in story mode and get that because people complain so much about everything being gated behind groups that I'm wondering if this game is going to have that at the end. Like, what is the end game for this supposed to be? I mean, they basically said that you can play this whole thing solo to get through the story, but the the hints I've seen are that like once you hit end game and you want to do the end game stuff, it's much more beneficial to have a group. So it might fall into there, but I'm, you know, 50 levels away from hitting that point right. or something. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I can't really report on that piece. But that gets to the fact of like, I just want to talk a little bit because that's kind of all I have to say about Fallout 76. It It is what I thought it would be. And it's not a huge wow factor. But it's Fallout with friends, and that's enough to like justify a purchase for me. Even though it has all these things that like they they could have done better, right? I have nits to pick. I talked about them already. But the other side of it is Red Dead Redemption Two Online <laughs> is coming out in like a couple weeks. Like it's out in November. And oh wow! I have played probably thirty five hours of Red Dead Redemption Two now. Um, mm-hmm. I think I might be more interested in the online one part of it than I am in the main game at this point. Because Is it online like Fallout 76 is online, or what does the online component of this one look like? Because I am not up on Red Dead Redemption. Like I do not know anything about this game other than the uh, the glitch the glitch videos I've seen where horses like <laughs> fall on people. Like that is all I know about this game is that horses can sometimes fall on people and the AI does weird things. <laughs> it's basically the same model as Grand Theft Auto Five, where there's okay. a single player game that's totally siloed off from the multiplayer game, but they take place in the same world using all the same assets. Okay. Yeah. So it's I the thing is that like I've played a ton of this game. It, I'm still playing it. It's a gigantic game, right? And I like it the f- less the further that I get into it <laughs> because the setting, I wanted to play a Wild West game. That's what I liked about, like, you know, the the frontier, the Western setting. That's what I liked about Red Dead Redemption 1. And this game keeps forcing you east. And that's what the whole game ended up being about. And I didn't know that before I bought it. It's um, weird. It's like you're on the run from the wall in the West, so you have to keep going further and further east. And I just, I don't like that setting as much. Like, I, I don't really, I don't know. It just doesn't click with me the same way as, like, Open Fields and Wild West and all of that does. Um, so, are I, you like, Horsey Man Cowboy in Chicago? Yeah, more like Louisiana. Like, it forces okay. you kind of, like, southeast. So, it also runs into all sorts of stuff around like slavery and you know industrial revolution in the southeast and like the the bayou and uh, i don't know like i don't know just that that stereotypical southern culture that has such a (laughs) negative connotation and you can speak better to this than i possibly could i feel like i'm not doing a good job of it but do you know what i mean yeah i do and and moving thinking about it being louisiana is a completely different kind of southern culture in that era uh especially when you're talking about slavery than than typical southeastern slavery because they were coming directly out of the caribbean there was a big trade going into new orleans and louisiana so that you were having a lot of mixed race people at that era um, which is where a lot of where cajun came from there was a huge french influence as well so the the like slave triangle had a, a little tendril off basically into into louisiana and so it has a 
slightly different dynamic for the it, uh, plantations so and it feels ideas. like um it there's no like one to one with existing states but it feels almost like oh, if okay. you, you they make up their own states but if you know the US it feels like if you started somewhere in like I don't know New Mexico maybe and then you just started heading like east type of thing yeah. I mean it's compacted it's very compacted there are parts of it that feel like you know mountainous and like you get over the mountains and then you start getting into like some plains and prairies but then oh, yeah, you quickly video get game into stuff yeah you know it's the video game stuff but the town I'm in right now is obviously supposed to be like a corollary to New Orleans and I don't know. I just, that's not what I signed up for. It's not what I no. wanted in the game. Like, I wanted to go west. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, I mean, you actually called this, uh, the horsey game to me at yeah. one point. Like, the first things, like, like, that is what you wanted. My Wild out of West this. horsey it was a, game. That's what I Wild called West it. Wild West horsey game. That's yeah. what it was. That's what it was. And it's like, that speaks loads to why this is a disappointment for you. Like, it's not even that you just wanted to see where the story goes or you're interested in, in the mechanics or the, or the systems like you normally are. You want a Wild West horsey game. You get Cowboy in Louisiana. You get justified um <laughs> yeah and i know that's it i know that starts in miami but but just that idea of it being a different kind of of idea the uh, story that you're getting it's that's odd well like, i didn't know that so the other thing too is i don't know if this game is fun like i've played 30 why do you to keep playing games hours? like this because it's interesting it's very <laughs> very interesting and it's impressive and it's epic in scope and it's an achievement in virtual environments. There is nothing else that exists that is like this game. Like, it is so fascinating what they did and how much effort they put into the game. It doesn't mean I like the game. Like, I don't think I'm having that much fun with it. But I see all the effort they put in and I see all the production values and I'm just constantly right. wowed, right? There's that wow factor in this game that Fallout 76 has none of. Like, it's just... It's amazing what they accomplished with this game, but the moment to moment isn't that fun. And like, I think they've built enough systems here that the systems might be fun if you took the story out and the impotence to keep moving east, which is why I just talked about all this to say that I'm much more excited for the multiplayer than anything else, because I kind of want to just see the systems interact and see what happens without the story layered on top of it. Which would be interesting, because like you said, this was kind of, uh, was it last week that you said it was kind of like a sim? Yeah. That, that you were, that that you... There's there's definitely like a push-pull between, they, they're trying to tell a linear story, but the world feels kind of like a sim. Like there's so much going on under the hood all the time. And those systems are interacting, but it doesn't feel like they're actually a good fit for a linear story. It feels like it's just a good fit for a world that you could explore instead. It's Yeah, from everything I've seen, like I said, I've seen a lot of glitch videos and just things like that rather than the actual gameplay and moving from point A to point B. But the stuff that I've seen, it looks almost like a sandbox. It looks like a survival game is what it really looks like to me. Uh, just from being an outside perspective, like because of how they put the world together. It's a physics engine where everything with the AI and just all of it that you could live there. You could wander around and just do stuff. Yes, which is why I think it might be a better fit for multiplayer than it is a single player. Like if you take that single player campaign that's overlaid over the whole game out of it, it might just be a better game. So I'm really excited to try the multiplayer. I don't know if I want to keep playing this game much more. Like I'm, you know, 30 right. to 35 hours in. 
I looked earlier today at like before we started recording at where I was at for the completion percentage for the story and I'm at 31%. So, Dagum. you know, I probably spent, if, you know, like four or five hours somewhere in there just kind of putzing around trying to understand the game. But I basically went critical path pretty early. So I've probably been on the critical path for like 30 of those hours and I'm at 31%, which means that if I want to finish this game, it's like a hundred hour commitment. And I just don't know if I'm feeling it, if the game's not fun. And I don't think you should. Like really, because it's not fun, that that when you stop having real fun is when I stop playing a game or whenever I, I move forward to do it. Like you said with The Witcher, you didn't like the combat, you God-moded it, you love the story, you move forward. Yes. That that with, when a game is not fun to play, it loses its primary purpose in my mind. That uh, that if you're, you're obviously having enough fun by learning about the systems and seeing the production values it's that it's worth like, playing. I want to see but, what else they've done in this world because it's such an accomplishment of uh, creative work, you know? But, like, I, I want to see what it has to offer, but I'm not moment, moment, moment to moment having fun. It's a really weird place to be in. I'm not done playing it yet. I'm going to put in more hours. It's just a matter of, like... I don't think I want to finish the story unless something dramatic changes soon and it gets more interesting and more fun. Um, I think I want to push through and kind of just see a little bit more of the game running and interacting and what else they've done. But if it's really going to be 100 hours, I don't I don't think I want to do that. Well, I mean, that's the same kind of problem I have with World of Warcraft is that I love and and a lot of online games, actually. um, My wife asks me why I keep playing wow because i don't have fun when i play it that uh, she has like i don't think you like this game and i don't like the moment to moment of it but i like the overall world and how it's all put together and those moments of really good creativity of of good intellectual property uh and good storytelling, but moment to moment, it's generally not terribly fun. And so it's kind of like, I understand where you are with it. I see wanting to continue on see what's there because that's the only reason I power through a lot of online games that I do. But 100 hours is, is intimidating. Yeah, it's a lot. So, I mean, I guess to kind of start to wrap up the topic... Like, what are we, this is the question I posed to myself, but I wanted to include you in it. It's like, (laughs) what are we actually looking for in multiplayer games right now at this moment? Because, you know, if things were slower, if it was a slow release season and games weren't coming out all the time and I had nothing else to do, which is not the case, I would probably think about like re-upping my subscription to Final Fantasy XIV and catching up on the story or Elder Scrolls Online and either spinning up a new character or doing a whole new storyline with my max level character, something like that. But like... I don't know. I'm, I'm, there's just there's nothing multiplayer right now that's really grabbing me, except for one exception that I'll talk about in a second. But I wanted to know where you're at with it. I mean, I'm kind of the same way, where I'm interested in Final Fantasy XIV, but I, whenever the new expansion comes out, I'll eventually go finish up all of the patches that, that I've missed in, in Stormblood. But right now, the stuff that's interesting me is stuff with progression. Like, I'm still playing Marvel Strike Force. That's something that, that I'm actually enjoying right now because, like I said before, I like collecting 
the different heroes. I'm progressing because I can log in and there are, are different systems like a blitz and an arena and stuff like that where you move through these different tiers to be able to get rewards to continue moving on like that grind. But it doesn't feel like a grind because you run out of energy and you can't play anymore because it's a gotcha game. But you get enough of it that I can still play during the day. And so these asynchronous online games like this are perfect because they let me be casual, but still feel as though I'm able to participate and progress. Like there are raids that you can open up with with your alliance on Marvel Strike Force and you get five tries at a time to be able to go through and move through this different gauntlet of different basically puzzles of of enemies and which team you have that can beat them and it's that's what i like right now is it something i can partake in i don't have to but i still feel even if i do the bare minimum as though i'm progressing and going to get a reward for it yeah i'm i'm not in the exact same place but i think we're in the same realm which is interesting because my one exception right now is dragalia lost and okay i'm not a big fan of asynchronous multiplayer i think it kind of it loses something when it's not synchronous. oh it does yeah and like i i don't know i i do it sometimes in some games but it's not something that is a huge draw for me and dragalia lost is almost like the perfect middle ground because i can jump in i can do like the single player stuff as much as i want but if i want to do something multiplayer i can find a room like a, a group, right? It's like called a room. You create a room and other people join it um, for whatever the current event is, like whatever the current raid or the current you know banner event is in a minute, maybe two if it's being slow. And then <laughs> yep. we can do a raid boss in less than five minutes and then I'm done. So it's like coming together with other people in real time and completing an objective. And there's reward at the end. There's loot at the end. There's progression that's happening. And all of it takes less than five minutes, where the opposite of that is like Red Dead Redemption not respecting any of my time <laughs> and making me follow an NPC halfway across the map while they run out of dialogue to say. And then you're just watching your horses walk for 10 minutes, you know? So it's That's like ridiculous. in that 10 minutes, I could have done two actually active games with other people raiding in Dragalia Lost. So it's like that's kind of the flip side of it. Um, it's also not a huge commitment like Fallout 76, right? If I'm going to sit down and play with other people in a game like that, I want to devote multiple hours to it. I can't jump yeah. in for like five or ten minutes. That's not going to do anything. Whereas I can pick up my phone and I can actually accomplish something in five minutes in Dragalia or ten minutes. I can accomplish actually a decent amount of things. So I like that a lot. And this is where I started to realize that I might be getting done with Red Dead because on Sunday night, I was had the opportunity to play Red Dead Redemption 2 and keep progressing the story. And at some point I paused and just did a quick game of Dragalia Lost. And then two hours later, I was still playing Dragalia Lost. Like, oh, wow. I didn't go back to Red Dead that day. And so that was like what kind of tipped it in my mind. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this today. That's that's interesting to me because I, I, I did something very similar to that with uh, Spider-Man and it's not online or anything. And I love that game, but I did the same thing with Spider-Man and, and the mobile game of, of Strike Force because I just put it down and then I got caught up in the system of what I was doing more so than uh, than it not respecting my time. And but there is something about those games where it's it's there's just there is an appeal. I mean, there's a reason that they make so much money on them. And uh, with Dragalia Lost, I think that I actually forgot that game existed. Like I really you keep enjoyed saying that. It's funny. I, I enjoyed that game. 
And I, until you put it on here, I'd forgotten about it. It's on my phone. I still have it. I just haven't opened it. Um, but it's one that it's really well done. But for some reason, it just doesn't doesn't click with me like it does you. And I think one of the reasons that mine uh, that this one I'm playing actually works better than some of the other asynchronous ones that I've played is there is an always active global chat at the bottom of the screen you get that you can open up and expand into a full screen one but there is a constant stream of people talking about different things in the game basically like there's not a lot of i haven't seen anybody yelling about politics or stuff like that because they get reported and banned and you can block them (laughs) it's not uh, chat it's not Baron's chat. No, it is absolutely not. Thank goodness. But it's something like that. While I'm, you know, I'm grinding for Captain America or playing through whatever, using my energy up. I'm like, I see people talking about what the best teams are, or something like that, or what's coming up. And I'm just like, that's interesting. It feels like I'm playing with somebody more than even though I'm actually not. Cool. Well, yeah. No, I just this is why I want to check in because I thought that both of us were in a really interesting place with our multiplayer gaming right now. So we'll see. I mean, as Fallout 76 actually launches, as Red Dead rolls out online, um, I'll be trying those and I'll be playing those more. So I'm sure I'll report back. But like right now, I'm more drawn to a mobile game for my like multiplayer enjoyment than anything else, which is so weird to me. (laughs) That that is really odd because you like mobile gaming like that's not anything that's not anything new. You always have great mobile games that you enjoy. But that it being the online choice over something like a AAA title like Red Dead Redemption 2 is right. exactly. really crazy. Like It's, like, it's so crazy. Weird. It's weird, but it also speaks so highly of how well that game is made. Yeah, like the, I like the, it a lot. The Dragalia, I mean. Yep. Okay, Um. so before we get into the mid-episode break, don't forget to send us questions. This is probably the last week you can send us questions before our Q&A episode around Thanksgiving because we always record that one early, so we have the week off. So send those in if you haven't. Any of the platforms works, Twitter, email, um, all the places we watch, Slack, uh, Discord, that's that's a lot of them, Reddit. Um, any of those will get it to us. And Geeky Offer of the Week, you always like to tell the people. So we have a Patreon. You guys have probably heard me talk about this before. So if you go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast you can support the podcast, become a patron saint of geekery on our Discord server. Uh, you can just do all sorts of stuff. You can tell tell me and Void what to do. Uh, just, just all sorts of fun stuff. So go check it out. Support the podcast. And we will love you forever if you go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast And I will love you forever anyway. But you could you should still go there. Perfect. Um, we're recording early this week, so I don't know what else is going on on the network, but I always check out Geekitude and Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. I listen to them every week. They're always good episodes, so check out those podcasts if you haven't, if you're not already subscribed. With that, let's talk about our weekly geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What do you got this week? So we're, we're double recording, so by the time everybody listens to this episode, this one will be done, but for me, it's coming up in the future. Okay. Um, do you remember the Nickelodeon show Double Dare? Of course I do. Okay, we're going to go see Double Dare live on Friday night. Wow. So by the time people listen to this, I will have seen a live show of Double Dare in Nashville, Tennessee, hosted by Mark Summers, the original host of Double Dare. And when we saw this, we got that this was coming up. We got so excited that this is really our anniversary trip for ourselves. Like we we, we were married on Halloween, so our, our anniversary is just just passed. And we always have a Halloween get together and all this y'all know that but when we saw double dare it's like we have to go out of town for this like we we cannot pass up the opportunity to watch people like 
pull slime and boogies out of these giant noses and get the flags like we and get slimed like we were so excited about this so i am really pumped to see this on friday night so by the time you guys listen to this you may have seen me on twitter talking about it and posting pictures i hope but i'm i'm really pumped about it because that's this week as we're recording this that's awesome i want to hear about it and uh, so, um, I also, I actually bought two MCU movies this week. I haven't bought any since... Uh, well, actually, we did buy um, Thor Ragnarok uh, and Black Panther, so I can't say that. Uh, but we stopped really collecting them when Ant-Man came out because there were just so many of them that with Ant-Man, it was the first of them where we didn't feel like we needed to own that just to watch whenever we wanted. And uh, But this week, I actually went and bought Homecoming on Blu-ray and we bought Infinity War on Blu-ray uh, because oh. we wanted to watch it. And... I like, and Homecoming is great. Like, Homecoming is exactly the movie that I remember it being. It's a it's a wonderful, good Spider-Man movie. It's funny. It is the the low stakes kind of of Peter Parker story. I, I still love it. It's Spider-Man. Tom Holland is wonderful. Infinity War, I liked a lot better the second time that I've seen it. This is only the second time I've seen it as well. Like, I, I liked it in May well enough. I kind of forgot it came out, and I thought that Teen Titans Go to the Movies was the best movie I saw this year. Um, and I thought it and Deadpool 2 were both better than Infinity War. And I still think that's the case, but watching Infinity War again, it is a much better movie than I remembered it being. And I I thought it was a fine movie before. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it's uh, Age of Ultron bad. But Infinity War, it's good. Like, I enjoyed watching it. But I still, they have this, uh, they have their own Canto Bite scene. Like, the one where Thor is with the dwarf and getting Stormbringer. Like, the movie just drags there because everything slows down. Like, it slows the pace of the movie down where... I knew what was coming up and I knew how it was put together at this point. So I could see how that may be why I disliked the movie so much the first time is because I got into it and, and things were going well. And then this stuff happened and it like yanked me completely out of it. But this time at home, I could pull on, I could actually get on my phone and be like, okay, Peter Dinklage is talking in a really dumb voice again. I'll wait until this is over. And then <laughs> I move funny. forward. Like I could, I could actually not pay attention to a part that made me dislike the movie more last time because it was so, it was, it was draggy. Like it was not well edited is the better way to put it, I guess. They, they needed to edit that part more. That's um, interesting, because I had the opposite reaction. Like, I liked it more really? the first time, and the second time it just felt like more of a half story to me. Like, once I knew the whole shape of it, you know? The first time watching it was like, oh, it's going to happen. I'm excited about the events. Like, I want to see what happens next. And then the second time watching it was like, yeah, but the whole story's not here. Like, this is only half a story. Like, oh, you know, I definitely abs- felt that a lot more the second time. It is absolutely half a story. Like, you and I will fight people for that when they say it. Like, it told 
it had a complete narrative arc. Don't get me wrong. Like oh, it, yeah, it does. It, it but is in terms of the story it's telling, it's half a story. Yes. That uh that that there is a difference in in the story that's being told and a narrative arc moving through all of the requisite pieces. And this one moves through all the pieces. This one does it despite honestly in spite of itself because of how many characters it has to juggle. That it really does move through the arc especially for Thanos like you get a complete character arc for him which I'm really impressed about the second time that I saw it that I see more of what people were talking about in terms of his personal story his personal arc through this um but I liked it a lot more like that I guess that's really all it is like I was way more impressed by it and I'm looking forward to Untitled Avengers movie way more than I was before. I I did some looking into it into the MCU at this point and because I was looking at Homecoming, I was watching Homecoming and they actually have a sequel planned for next year. Did you know it came out next summer? Uh yeah. No, I, I knew didn't. That. Like I had no idea and it's titled uh, Far From Home. Like well, that's I had... why so they also have a Black Panther 2 in development and that's uh-huh. why when I f- both of those had been announced and were known before Infinity War came out. And right. that's why at the end of Infinity War it had such a less impact on me than it could have because I knew those two movies existed. Right. You know? And that's there's a lot of theory out there that I like getting into in terms of how much the the external forces that we have today with the internet and how much we move into these uh like pre production the pre production and celebrity side of things, how much that ruins narrative storytelling. Because if Infinity War had told its story in isolation then it would have been much more impactful than us knowing what was coming up because yeah. we knew that they were filming both of these at the same time we knew that uh that what characters contracts are looking like we knew um like i didn't know when spider-man 2 was coming out but i also knew it was coming out i knew it had been greenlit and so it's just like these things interact and play together in a way that I don't like that they play together because I'm not impacted by the narratives as much as I could be. But at the same time, I'm really excited for what's coming at this point, like seeing Captain Marvel and uh, Spider-Man Far From Home that uh, even though they are being pretty tight lipped about uh, what's coming up after after those. Yeah, no, those are the two I'm most excited for right now. I mean, I want to see the other half of Infinity War, but I mean, those are like I'm I'm excited for those movies, you know, even yeah. though they're in development. But you're right. It definitely changes things when you know the greater context of what's happening in the real world, you know, instead of these yeah. being an isolated story that's happening. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, episode nine. As much as as much of Star Wars geeks as we are there is still something that's taken away from that by knowing that they changed the director from I can't remember his name to uh back to JJ Abrams that yeah. we we know what kind of Star Wars movie to expect now even if we don't know what's going to happen where with a different director like when we got Ryan Johnson we didn't necessarily know what to expect out of the last Jedi but we can pretty much pinpoint the style of Star Wars that we're going to get from JJ. That's not a bad thing. I love The Force Awakens, but it just changes the way that we interact with that narrative. 
Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Uh, this week, so like you said, we're double recording, so I have like half of my geekery over here, but uh, I want to give a quick Gamefly update. So I got Labyrinth of Refrain, Coven of Dust, because it looked like a interesting like RPG take on a first-person dungeon crawl, but like kind of anime-styled. It looked interesting, but as soon as I booted it up, I hated how slow it was. I hated the controls. I just like immediately sent that one back. I got Yoku's Island Express, which is <laughs> extremely cute. It's a very cute like pinball platformer so you're a little bug and you're rolling around a ball and it acts as the pinball but you always like stay with it basically and you can use like the pinball the pinball um bumpers and like flaps and like all of that stuff to like move it around the environment plus you can kind of like roll it back and forth with the control stick i hated this game like (laughs) it's so cute and i just hate it um i think it's because i get frustrated with pinball in the first place and this is like that, but more on top of it. And I just got frustrated with the platforming so fast. So that one went back pretty quick. But if you like pinball and if you like cute games, like go get that game. You'll love it. I hated it, but you will love it. Um, <laughs> I tried Dragon Quest Eleven, and man, it sure is a Dragon Quest game. Like yep, I've heard I, that. I don't know what I expected. The series barely ever changes. And the same thing is here. Like it's a Dragon Quest game again. I still don't like them. This is why I like Final Fantasy so much more than Dragon Quest. And I've only ever beat one Dragon Quest game, and I've beaten every Final Fantasy game. Like, whether or not they succeed, Final Fantasy is always trying to reinvent itself. And they've succeeded to greater and lesser extents over the years, but they keep trying new things. Dragon Quest is like the polar opposite. They have one thing, they started doing it, and they just don't really change it ever. And yeah, I mean... Some people and that's that. what that's what I look forward to with eleven because as much as I liked eight, from what I've heard, eleven is eight but better, and so I'm um, like, yeah, that's yeah, great. I mean, I would say that having tried both of them, even though I didn't get very far in either one, I would agree with that assessment. It feels like eight but better. Yep. And so I'm I'm good with that. The one I want with eleven is the uh, the 2D one that was on the 3DS. So I'm kind of wondering if that's going to be the Switch version. Oh, yeah, that might be interesting to look at. See, that's the thing. Dragon Quest is always interesting for me. I always hope that I'll like it, and I try it, and then I don't. So I guess that's going to be my relationship with Dragon Quest forever, and I just have to accept that at this point. Um, The other game that I tried from Gamefly was (laughs) Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and man, just like Dragon Quest is another Dragon Quest game, this is another Tomb Raider game. They still really like hurting Laura, like, a lot, in grotesque ways. Yeah, it has that, that, like... body horror to it you know where she's like she gets impaled and she gets killed and it's like it's gruesome in a lot of ways and besides that it just felt like another tomb raider game like it wasn't doing anything new so i bounced off of it pretty quick i just played enough to see like oh yeah okay i see what they're doing the same thing again got it it's that makes me really sad sad. because it feels like it needs a reboot but this is the rebooted series this is like the second or third tomb raider reboot maybe they just need to put this series to bed and like make a new one Maybe so, because like Jennifer loved the first one that I watched her play this when it was great and I played some of it. And it's a the first one's a really, really good game, but they do have those how they hurt Laura in grotesque ways. This one, we were actually talking about it not long ago when this one released that uh, or when it was coming out something that she was like, I may try this one. I wonder if they've uh, learned not to, you know, destroy her and uh, and make it where uh, where it's just gruesome and that I don't want to watch that over and over again. And you said that like that being one of your main points on this one, it's like, well, that's just wonderful because that's not a 
I don't understand who likes that. Like, maybe, I don't know either. Like, I don't, I don't know what they're trying to do with it. If, if, are they trying to be realistic? Because it's not realistic. Are they trying to make it visceral? Because it's not. It's just gross. Like, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish with what they're doing with her, like, death animations. And sometimes it's not even a death animation. Sometimes it's a situation they put her into and she has to get out of, but she gets, like, extremely hurt along the way. Like, right. I don't know who enjoys that as a thing. Because, I mean, I love movies like Saw. I loved Hostel. I love these incredibly violent, like, body mutilation horror movies that, that I don't know what it is, but I like them. But you put it in a video game like this where the, the narrative, it, it serves no narrative purpose. It's gratuitous. There is, it's yeah. gratuitous and brutal. And they've never justified its inclusion other than shock value. Yeah, no, that's a really good way to put it. So it's another Tomb Raider game. If you like the rebooted series, you'll probably like this one. If you haven't liked the rebooted series, then you probably won't like this one. Um, it's kind of more <laughs> of the same, which is sad that there's not a whole lot else to say about it, but it's more of the same. Um, the other thing that I did this week was another book that I listened to, and it was more of like a novella length, but it was really, really good. So it's called Breathing Machine, A Memoir of Computers, and it's by Lee Alexander. And I like her writing in a bunch of other places. Like I kind of follow her work. She's one of the people that I follow. Um, it just, it hit home with me really hard. It's about growing up alongside the internet. So oh, she's got to cool. be around the same age that you and I are somewhere in that range. Um, because there's this generation of us that I've heard referred to a bunch of different ways. Um, <laughs> yeah. The one that I like the best that sums it up is the Oregon Trail generation. If you play <laughs> Oregon Trail on those Mac computers in elementary with school. The, with the green screen. That's exactly and... <laughs> it. If you are one of those people like we are, you're part of this Oregon Trail generation. That's the, that's the best summary that I've ever heard it of it. It is. That really... That really really hits it like i think of oregon trail and i think of legends of the hidden temple on nickelodeon like for some reason those those are solidified in my mind because i was playing them and watching them around the same time yeah but it's kids like us that we were born in the 80s we grew up in the 90s right and we grew up alongside computers like computers in their modern incarnation are nothing like they were 30 years ago oh no but the computers 30 years ago aren't like they were 10 years ago or 20 like there was this progression right and it's what i've heard compared to is that the generation not our parents generation but the one before that it's the way that they were with or maybe even the one uh one step back but somewhere around that generation so for us it would be like grandparents you know maybe a little bit into great grandparents and it's the people who grew up alongside cars uh like emerging as a modern car right because cars haven't changed that much recently, but there was a time period there where like cars were rapidly iterating Mm -hmm. and people learned all about cars as cars were improving because there were so like much massive improvements year over year, model over model. And those people learned how to take care of their cars and do all their own maintenance and like know what's under the hood and really care about that. And I don't care. Right. I know there's zero. I I care zero about it. No. And there are still people who are gearheads, and that's fine if that's your hobby. Like, I have nothing against that. Oh, yeah, that's great. That. It's but just I would not say me. the majority of our current generation just cares that it gets you from A to B, and that's it, right? And yep. this is what's happened with computers, is that you and I and people around our age have grown up alongside computers. And, like, 
I have no problem diving into an OS and looking at what's under the hood and everything Mm-mm. going on and tracking down an issue or like hunting down a driver or looking at what's going on in the BIOS. Like these are just things that I do because yeah. I grew up alongside it. But my kids are not that way. And I don't know if they will ever be that way because they've grown up with iPads, right? They've and never iPad, had to. No, they never had to. But also the systems are so like not dumb that's not the right word but they're so safe safe. yeah they're so safe and they're so user-friendly that you can't even get into the os of a modern like ios device right and there's no reason to because they just work like why would you ever have to hunt that stuff down in the os because it's just not something that happens you know you hold on to a device and then you recycle it or you trade (laughs) it in and you buy a new one that's kind of how it works now um so all of that sorry that was a tangent but it's because this memoir hit home with me. So again, it's called Breathing Machine, a memory, uh, a memoir of computers. And it's pretty short. It's like a novella length, but it was really, really good. And it was, it was super cheap too. I don't remember how much it was, but it was like a couple bucks it, because it's, you know, novella length. So I recommend that if you have any interest in anything that I just said, basically. That, that sounds really fantastic. On top of it being the kind of book that I love, it's something that I've had in my mind as well. Like one of my one of my viewers from my live stream I do for work sent me a link a while back about and it was written years ago, but of people who can't fix their own computers. And uh, like you said about your kids and the conclusion that they they came up with about this was because exactly what you said was because they've never had to or it didn't work. That you and I, whenever our computers broke, the reason you said, like you said, that we can dig into the BIOS, that we can open up any of the uh, registry files, do whatever we need to do because we had to do that or our stuff wouldn't work. And right. That that's not how it is now. That's not how how it is, and that's not how it is for people just barely younger than us too. Like I have, uh, like my other best friend is six years younger than I am, and that's not how he is. He's never had to really do that. And see, that's only a couple years younger than me. So it's yep. like there's this very narrow band of people that are like you and I, and it's fascinating. It's this Oregon Trail generation is something that fascinates me unlike most other things. Like this has really gotten stuck in the back of my head and I don't think I'm ever going to like be able to Mm-mm. let go of it because it is me and it describes so many things about like my life and what I grew up alongside. Um, and, and like you said, it's this narrow band of ages too. It's not a super wide band because before computers were like so different and so expensive and they couldn't do much and then after they were so safe and friendly and easy and it's because we grew up with them but again there's that generation that grew up alongside cars and they were the same way with cars but if you and i have a car that breaks we take it to a guy and pay him to fix it oh yeah right oh yeah somebody else is is in my car like i i went to youtube and i could change a headlight on my car that's it like that I, I don't like that is the most extensive and complex thing i've ever done on an automobile was yeah. change a headlight on my prius like i don't change my own oil again i know there's gearheads out there screaming at me right now i'm sorry oh yeah but like i think that you are the exception if you're a gearhead. I don't think that's what most people are like these days. Just our like, age, I guess that I guess that's the way yeah. it is. Like depending on your culture, because there are tons our age here in Alabama that 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 is not even like I'm the outlier where I am here. Like people just love their cars and trucks, and it's well, a cultural will, thing. Yeah, but there will always be people like that. I mean, overall, there's always going to be a dedicated like 
PC oh, hardware oh, yeah. people that get down onto like the lowest level of the stack and want to mess with it. Um, any hobby has that, right? Oh yeah. But it became more of a hobby and less of just like a requirement of life, like it was when we were growing yeah. up. Yeah. And it's really interesting. Like I've spoken with some people on Twitter. I know like uh, people like Chef F um, who have worked in it their entire lives are an older generation than us who have hit that same kind of narrow band of generation who got into computing and tech and IT right at that age where it it was introduced. And so there was either you're there at the very beginning of computing or you're there at the beginning of personal computing but there's still that gap in there and there's the gap after and so it's really interesting to have to speak to talk with him and i was talking with him about internet security the other day and just the fortress that he has set up on his browsers and it's just like i i i I realized at that point just like you and i are talking about this with us that i'm the I'm the generation behind him where oh, yeah, I no, know about security kid, right? and those 70s kids yeah. are so much more ingrained in security and just every little detail of how all of this stuff ties together, like the Unix side of it and and just locking it down. I don't even know how to say it. It's the nuts and bolts, but it's like just that particular side of technology that while I can get in on the software side like that, it's the, I don't even know. I don't even it's know almost, what. It's like hardware level almost, not but I, I know what you're assembly getting assembly level kind of kind yeah. of machine level not machine le- but just that yeah the you go further yeah almost hardware level like that where it's not quite hardware but the words are escaping me my brain my brain's <laughs> okay. like your brain man but i mean this is one of those things where um i'm endlessly fascinated with these different generations and like not looking at them as a gen x or gen y or gen whatever uh, but looking at them as what did you grow up alongside and how did it impact you? You know, because I really think you can divide groups up that way from a generational standpoint and see some interesting correlations, to say yeah. the least. So my wife, my wife, yeah. speaking of that, my wife's best friend is two years older than I am and is hardcore Gen Xer, like a Seattle grunge real world type Gen Xer. Like the, not, she's not a stereotype, but just that stereotype of that generation, you know? Yeah, and then yeah. she's two years older than I am, and I am hardcore millennial. Like, I am one of those elder millennials who, like, that's what I am. Avocado toast, technology, iPhone, shiny, Mumford & Sons, all of it. Like, that's yeah. me. No, it's super fascinating. Okay, we'll yeah. come back to this, I'm sure, because obviously you and I <laughs> did not intend to talk about it for, like, 15 or 20 minutes. But yeah, it's not a at all. good topic. Cool. Um, That's probably it for tonight. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geekcast.com at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek to geekcast We also have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek to geekcast And don't forget to send your questions. Last chance, send them in. And we also have a lot of discussions on Slack and Discord, and you can throw all of your questions at us there as well. So go to discord.geek2geekcast.com and slack.geek2geekcast.com to hang out with us and get an invite. And I did just throw up, since this is coming out just before Thanksgiving, there is a Black Friday deals channel on Discord that people requested to uh, see cool tech stuff. So hop in there and see if there's anything you can save money on next week. Maybe. I don't know what I don't know what days it is anymore. Sweet. Um, I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And I blog at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beach, your Oregon Trail generation, with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Oh, no. I died of dysentery.
That's not a good death. everyone i'm katie and i'm chelsea and we are the hosts of tea time with katie and chelsea we are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want katie yes stop thinking about zach efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about well we've talked about zach efron no get it together katie fine we've talked about fan fiction classical literature adaptations favorite tv couples and so much more so grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek.